Following Christ in 2021 is not for the faint of heart. Striving to be a kingdom man isn't about packing up and taking a vacation. It's about getting your mind right, your gear packed, and heading into war. It's more important now than ever before to stand up for what's right and just in the eyes of the Lord and seek His truth. This ain't a cruise ship, fellas. It's a battleship. So buckle up and get ready for the truth, the uncomfortable truth. Welcome back to the show. It's so glad to have you. I'm going to tell you a little story real quick. It's about two dogs in our neighborhood. One's named Marley. The other one is named Princess. Marley is the the bad boy that runs around the neighborhood. He owns the place. He walks around the yard. He'll look at you like and pee on your bush and basically give you a look in the eye and this is my place. I'm just letting you know you're going to smell me for a few days. He does that in everybody's yard. As he make, he even goes across the street and just rules the roost over there. Princess is another dog in our neighborhood that she kind of stays to her area, um, runs around in her spot. She's not getting on other people's property. She's just doing her own thing. So the other day, Marley's doing his thing, and he runs into Princess's yard, and he's marking his territory. Princess sees this and proceeds to light him up. <laughs> I'm talking about it was a devastating moment for Marley. <laughs> she almost killed him. Wow. <laughs> okay. The moral of the story, the way I told that story, was on purpose. Princess is like an 80-pound German shepherd, and Marley is about a, a 10-pound pretty dog. <laughs> that was really uncomfortable for him, realizing that this neighborhood is not owned by him. Welcome to The Uncomfortable Truth. We're glad to have you this morning. Obi is going to open us up in prayer. So that were the term all bark, no bite, maybe. Yeah, he didn't have any bite. She literally, <laughs> uh, he almost died. It's oh, also no. the term don't write uh, checks that your honey can't cash. <laughs> <laughs> Dang right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Uh, thank you for each person here in this room. We thank you for our families. We thank you for good health, Lord. We just pray good health o- over the nation and and uh, everyone that we know, everybody that's sick, Lord, we pray for healing. Lord, we thank you so much for the platform that you've given us here to glorify you. We pray that today we will do that in a big way. Lord, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. We ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen. 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 So it's my turn today. This is Brandon, and we believe in being very transparent. Uh, Shane normally likes to prank us, or me, and he'll tell me it's my turn when it's not, and uh, typically I don't take him very serious because I normally know when it's my turn. And uh, he said, no, I sent, I sent a message. So he kept on and kept on. So I looked last night, and sure enough, he did send a message, and I missed it. Uh, so it is my turn, and I do have a topic. But uh, I'm a little concerned that roles are reversing. <laughs> <laughs> as the older it's, brother sean you could probably vouch for me here it's That's concerning a scary for everybody well it's concerning to me too like i don't want to be you <laughs> so the other day but i love you bro yeah, i love you too the other day i said 
Shane said, hey, are you working out because we work out together? And I go, no, my schedule changed. I can't today. I said, but you can go ahead and go. He goes, oh, no, I'm committed, but it only much as you showing up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'm going to be an ax today, but I wanted to uh, tell a story that ties it all in. Uh, you got to rewind back to June 24, 2014. Uh, Leah, my wife, my wife, Leah, and I uh, are excited and ready to uh, bring, or she's going to bring into the world our third child. And uh, his name is Lincoln Wayne Goswick. Uh, if you know him, you love him, but he just makes you shake your head sometimes because he is wired way different than any of our other children, and that's a good thing. So he's like Shane. He's like well, no, in some ways. Uh, he's, yeah. I don't know. He's got a mix of yeah. all of us and none of us. Your youngest is probably yes, the most like, Shane. like me. Life of the party. I got Brandon's kid, by the way. My oldest is like, last night we had hitting lessons with her, <laughs> and the, the guy giving her hitting lessons said, did, did uh, she get your athletic ability? And I said, uh <laughs> <laughs> Not really. She got her drive, dedication, and athletic athleticism probably from her uncle. <laughs> it's funny how that how God can just make all that work out. Uh, so, little backstory: we're not expecting uh, when we found out Lincoln was on the way. Yes, we do understand what causes uh, children to arrive in this world. Okay, but we weren't planning for Lincoln to arrive. Okay, and so. It was a pretty big adjustment to go from two kids to three. We have four now, but I always say when you go from two kids to three, uh, a wise man once told me that's going from man-to-man in basketball to a zone, and there's always holes in a zone. And uh, it rocked our world for a little while, even before he arrived. So we'd gotten over that shock, and we're excited. And uh, the birth goes fine. Uh, I'm in the room with Leah. Everything goes well. And she had not had smooth pregnancies uh, for our, our first two in some capacity. So it was a, a blessing. Fast forward about six, seven days later, I'm going to get a little bit of this off and I'm going to give you the high points, but uh, electricity's out at home. Our in-laws, Leah's parents are living with us temporarily while they're remodeling their house. And we have a doctor's appointment for Lincoln and a follow-up for Leah. And um, we get to the hospital and, you know, I'm not in the medical field, Leah is. So uh, he's a little cranky and cantankerous and things. And uh, long story short, he ends up having... Uh, several different type of heart issues going on and he essentially turns into a wimp a uh, limp noodle so to speak or a wet dish rag and goes gray over a long period of time while we are in Treeport at this appointment so praise Jesus we were in Treeport at an appointment because if we would have been home who knows uh, God's sovereignty is just beautiful okay so this is one of those moments I can look back and I can know he was all over that situation and uh, I can recognize that today so a lot of chaos and scariness and worry happens. Um, we end up at Children's in uh, Dallas, and he is there for several weeks getting prepared to build his body up from the strokes that he had, both blood and oxygen-related, to then have open-heart surgery. Now, this is a baby, okay? And as parents, we want nothing more than for our children to be safe, taken care of, provided for, um, from my perspective, not really knowing much about the medical field, I had a piece that I vividly remember talking to Lee about. And it was with me the whole time. Now, I want to be very clear here. The devil came at me in a lot of serious ways 
during this time. But the peace of knowing that God's will was going to happen was there from the moment I started driving to Dallas to meet them that were coming in on the jet. And it wasn't a piece of he's going to be fine. It was a piece of God, whatever your will is, I know that you got it. And I had already come to grips, and this is going to sound morbid, with if God's will was for Lincoln not to make it, that was God's will, and I was at peace with that. Okay, because it was a little touch and go there for a while. It was a little scary, you know. Uh, most babies don't have blood and oxygen strokes. It's, it's very uncommon. Mm. So there was not a ton of literature on how do we build this baby up to get him ready for heart surgery. Um, you know, Shane saw him with all the tubes in him. It, it just hard to fathom. Leah's piece was somewhere different in trusting in what she knew about the medical field, but not a piece of taking her baby away. Okay, in, in the simple terms. So tie that story into today, and we are in Acts. And I love that Acts is taking action because we've been talking about that a lot here lately. Okay, so Paul and Silas are coming into a new territory, and they typically go find uh, – the church, so to speak, and the only way there can be a church in a town is if there are 10 or more uh, men in that community that are, I may butcher this a little bit, but basically they're elders of the community that form a synagogue or a church, okay? There's not that here. So one of the first interactions they have is of a uh, young lady who is spirit-possessed that is making these other men money uh, off of her, Okay. And Paul, in the name of Jesus, cast out the spirit, okay, in this young lady. And she immediately recognizes that Paul and Silas are servers of God, immediately. Now, the owners are, are ticked because their cash cow is no longer their cash cow, as, as crazy as that sounds. So that's the, kind of the 30,000-foot view of what I want to talk about today. So Paul and Silas get imprisoned. Okay, and we've all probably remember if we've been in church or read the Bible or had friends that, you know, tell us Bible stories uh, of the walls uh, shaking and the chains coming loose on all the prisoners, okay? But here's where I'm just mesmerized by Paul and Silas. Uh, Acts 16, 25. Now, they're in a dungeon, people. This is not your prison that we think of in America today where you get three hot meals, you've got the internet, you can read books, you know, work out. Uh, I know all prisons are probably not like that, but I know a lot uh, are. And they are chained. And um, I heard this said, and I haven't researched it, but the person who said it, I trust. He said they are not only chained or shackled, but they are shackled in a way to where their legs are spread out as far as they can go tightly to be as uncomfortable as possible. So just think about how far you can do the splits, and they're locked in that position. Okay. Verse 25, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So my topic today is, do we praise him all the time or only when we're comfortable? Praising him in the storm. Amen. And that's that, thought, that song, I, I don't remember who sings it, but it came to my head. 
that title. Um, and just to kind of fast forward in the action mindset again, when the Lord brings on an earthquake and the shackles fall off, the Philippian jailer realizes that they're going to leave. And at that time, if you lost your prisoners, you were dead. You know, whoever was your boss was going to kill you. And he comes into, uh, he didn't go down into the dungeon, I don't think, but Paul comes and finds him and says, no, 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 don't kill yourself. We're all here. The thing that just sticks out to me there is, is Paul and Silas are praising Jesus, okay? We know they're believers. We don't know if the prisoners are believers, but the prisoners didn't leave, okay? Now, you got to believe I'd be like, deuces, boys, I'm out of here. I don't know who this is that got these shackles off of me. It was probably just an earthquake, you know, but praise Jesus. I'm, you know, not the one they, knew, they probably didn't know him, but thank goodness I'm out of here. So it just really brings into focus to me that when we praise Jesus in the storm, the impact that it has in our life is powerful, but the impact it has on others that are watching is as or more powerful. So, the Philippian jailer basically goes, I don't understand this, but whatever it is, show me to your Jesus, basically. And they go to his house. He feeds the prisoners and his whole family, and they, you know, they, they witness to him. Okay, and then he accepts Jesus into his life. The thing that I want to talk about today really is just how do you view this, okay, Um I'd love to tell you that I praise Jesus in the storm, but that's a lie. Um, I can recognize that peace that comes from him in the storm from that experience of Lincoln being uh, sick and needing surgery. But I was not at a place in my life where I'd say I was proud of my walk with Jesus then. I knew Jesus, and that peace was coming from him, but I wasn't praising him the way I'd say I recognize I need to praise him today. So how do you guys... Praise Jesus in the storm. How do you guys want to improve in praising Jesus in the storm? And just, you know, maybe what are your thoughts on it overall in regard to uh, Paul and Silas and what they were doing? I think, uh, I think this is a great topic that, that probably your, your second point in your question there was how can we improve is probably going to be more of the, um, you know, more of what, what goes around the table here. Amen. Yeah, no doubt. Um, whenever I think about that, um, I think about the people throughout my lifetime that have praised him in the storm. And um, I think about my aunt. Um, you know, she she had she had colon cancer and this lady is a praise in the storm kind of woman. Um, and, and she, I, I can just remember, um, her being in the hospital and she's perfectly alive and well right now. It was not her time, but it wasn't a great prognosis at the time. And they thought that it might take her and she never even wavered. It was like, I have if this is the time for me, I'm ready. Um, she was young, y'all. I mean, this this how old was she? You think? Oh, she had to be in her early fifties, maybe. Yeah. 
Um, I think so. You know, I would say early fifties and if I, I believe if it would have happened in her early forties, I don't think that it would have been any different. Um, have. It, and, and she's, she's always had that strength. She's always had that. Um, she's always had what I long for. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think about, you know, being in that moment, you know, I, I, we've, we've talked in previous podcasts about, you know, where we may struggle, you know, I've, I've always struggled, not always, but most of my adult life, I've struggled with health anxiety, you know, worrying that, um, you know, I was going to die an early death and leave my kids without a father, my wife without a husband and, and what that looked like. That's been a fear of mine. Now, ever since I've, um, ever since I've surrendered to the Lord, um, it's, I feel like continued to improve, uh, almost, almost monthly, weekly, daily. Um, but again, going back to praising in the storm, I I feel like that the only way that that's ever going to, um, be just, uh, something that we never struggle with, um, is, is just in our continual transformation through seeking the Lord. And, uh, I just think about my aunt, um, who, if she walked into this room right now, she'd, without knowing you come up and, uh, hug, and kiss every one of you because you're her family's friends and brothers in Christ. And, mm-hmm. and you talk about feeling Jesus whenever you see him. I mean that she, she exuberates it. She lights up the room. <laughs> she lights up the room in a big way. And she never wavered in that moment of her storm. And, um, you know, I want to be like that. I vividly remember dad. Uh, this is our, our dad's sister. And I vividly remember Dad uh, telling me he was at her uh, hospital bedside crying, just um, very emotional about the whole situation. And she was just smiling and, and grinning and saying, hey, it's okay. They reassured my dad that if I don't make it, you know, through this surgery, I'm going to be with Jesus. Amen. And it's and, and it's perfectly fine, you know. And, um, you know, and of course, you know, um, Dude, it's just so powerful. But to see that, and to see somebody that has that kind of um, that kind of faith, um, man, it's it's life changing for me. Don't you guys think that uh, you both just alluded to it? When we see that in action, as believers, we go, "That's where I want to be as a believer. I want that." But you got to believe as non-believers. You know, we're, we're tasked to be fishers of men. That that is probably one of the absolute best ways to be fishers of men is by our action and how we handle the storm. You mean as far as like in reference to non-believers and how they view? Yes. Okay. You know, if, if a non-believer looks at, you know, um, you know, their aunt, let's say she had a friend that was a non-believer, and she comes up, and as a non-believer, I'm thinking, well, death is happening. I don't know what's next, so I don't want to die. But this person's telling me that Jesus is all that she needs if he decides it's her time. As a non-believer, you got to think. You know, I think we were all saved at a young age, if I remember right. But I think it would do us a lot of good to always try to understand 
where people who are our age that are non-believers are coming from because it's got to be a different world. Yeah, so I've got a story about that. So probably 13, around 13 years ago, we got news that uh, my father-in-law, Courtney's dad, had cancer. He had just met with the doctors, uh, or the doctor. The doctor said it's inoperable, incurable. First thing he did was call call his people in, all his friends and, and family. We, we met at the church, and we prayed. And his prayer was, Lord, let me honor you through this process. And um, I... It, a lot of the, a lot of the things I, it's been 13 over 13 years ago so it's it's hard to remember everything um almost 14 years i think now but i remember that vividly sticking out and i remember he it for him it was a pretty terrible process um it was very painful for him uh for the next 4 to 6 months um it was it was tough it was hard on the family but throughout all of that, even though he felt terrible, he still honored and gave the glory to the Lord. And when he died, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> when he died, the people that were around him the most were the ones who were given his testimony. Um, and one of the coaches that was actually an atheist before he died, accepted the Lord after he died. And so you see examples that we see examples of that and we long and desire to be that, to be a part of that, to have those same actions when, when, when things, when the storm comes our way and it takes preparation, it takes having a strong relationship with the Lord to be ready for that storm and to and to give him that glory. And my father-in-law, his name was Tommy. Tommy was ready. He was ready. He prepped for it. God prepped him for it. He had his heart right. His heart was in the right place. And then God did some amazing things through his death. You know, I just it makes me think about how we get to that point. You know, uh, it makes me think about how we get to to have that unwavering um, sense of of just we know we're going to be a, we know we're going to our true home. You know, how, how do we get to that point? I think about my aunt. You know, the, the one that Sean and I were referencing, and you know, I'm 36. Sean's 44. She's been Sean's aunt for 44 years. She's been my aunt for 36 years. And and I can't recall a single time in my life, not one single time, where I've ever felt like she was not on fire for the Lord. I mean, just I can't I mean, I can't think of a time where she just wasn't full throttle on, I mean, on God's path. And so I know, I, I mean, the Bible tells us that that our sanctification process is ongoing, mm-hmm. you know, it, and it never stops. And uh, I, I feel like I have to believe in my heart, you know, for my sake, that if I continue 
down the path that I feel like I'm on right now and I continue to allow the Lord to whittle away at my heart and take any false self out and and uh, and reveal my true self to him that I'm going to get to that point. And so I think um, it takes time. I mean, I, I really think it takes time. I feel like that some people have an uncanny ability to get there faster than others. I feel like guys like uh, I, I hate to throw you guys into it. No, go ahead. Know, we probably but, deserve you know, to be there. Yeah, probably. I, I feel like that guys like us, uh, you know, we we have a false sense of control in our lives, and it's harder for people like that to just fully let go. And 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 maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just me. But no, you're not. You wrong. know, um, <laughs> I, I just sure. I, I feel like that we're just from a hope from a hope standpoint of getting to the point that we all want because I feel like everybody at this table desires to if that happens to us we want to be in that mental we want to be in that emotional state we want to we want to be able to uh push that strength and that love and and we want to transform lives in that moment rather than it being a time of fear and a time of just ugh, you know yeah. worry angst everything is wrong with that moment and so anyway i just i feel like that um we're gonna get there yeah. that, that's what i think i think yeah. we're gonna get there i love it as christians you know we go through these trials and tribulations and um our walk is ever evolving and it's the way that God refines us, you know. And I think more importantly, this is where, this is the space where legacies are born. And those legacies have a ripple effect that lasts for eternity. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, when you look at everybody here going around the table and they're, and they're telling this story about this event in their life, uh, those stories are our Children will tell those stories. Um, we are telling those stories. Um, and the story of Paul and Silas, you know, I don't know exactly how long ago that was, but it's been a minute, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and we're still telling the story. You know, it's a, it, that's where that uh, a legacy was born, and it was life-changing, you know, hearing about your father-in-law. It's, um, it's something that your children will absolutely tell, 1,000%. And it made you who you are today and your wife. And uh, so um, legacies are born and they have a ripple effect. And it's just part of God's plan, Uh, not our selfish plans, but God's God's plan, uh, which supersedes ours. You know, when you this just dawned on me, you said our walk with Christ. We all say walk with all the time. And when you think about that word, it is action. You know, so if you like to be, you know, try to stay healthy and you want to go work out or whatever, you're taking action so your body doesn't experience atrophy. So it doesn't start going the opposite direction, which is our human bodies are made to go. Gravity is made to push it down. Okay. So we have to fight against that. I think it's a very simple way to look at our walk with Jesus and the refinement. We got to be walking towards him, you know, and I know we can all speak on and have before when we quit walking towards him, not shockingly, we start getting further away from him and experiencing things that we go, Ugh, that was not an ideal time in my life that I'm proud of. Now, 
you start walking towards him again in our walk with uh, talking to him every day and being in the word and being around men and women who sharpen us in our walk with Jesus, there's action happening. Um, I, I heard our uh, pastor say yesterday, actually, he said, you know, God believed that Noah was worth saving, so to speak, but he didn't give him the ark. He still had to do something. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, he yeah. had to take action. And I think that's where that refinement and that beauty occurs is knowing that it's an ongoing process. I mean, for heaven's sake, let's remember about Paul. Paul persecuted Christians. That includes killing yes. Christians. Yeah, let's, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. He killed Christians, and now he is being tormented for being a believer in Christ of the same thought process that he was killing not too long ago. You know, if you don't think Jesus can do something for you, you know, we're not looking for it because uh, it's he can change anybody's heart, even like the atheist, mm-hmm. you know. But that our action, our walk, is where people look and go, I want some of that. You know, that, that's something different than the world provides. Uh, and I, I was reading a book that really jumped out at me. Why in the Western world is it so hard for people to realize they need Jesus? It's because we have everything. You know, prosthetics, got it. We have the illusion of being fulfilled. There you go. And when you have the illusion of being fulfilled, you don't think you need to seek our Heavenly Father. Fulfillment. Yeah. Exactly. And And it is a... a Illusion. Yes, hundred percent. It's probably the biggest illusion the devil puts on us. Absolutely. Is that hey, you got everything you need. You don't yeah, have it, go get it or create it. You know, and it takes us away from who we really need. The devil is a magician. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's not it's not fodder. That's no, what you always say. Always say you like not, that word fodder. It's not fodder. <laughs> that's that's the real deal. He he wants to trick you into thinking you got it all figured out which he knows takes us away from his adversary uh, and serving him. I think I had to look that word up. Did uh, you? Fodder? Yeah, I can't. It's been several weeks, but yeah, I looked it up. I, was like, I will tell you all this. Is this a real word? My wife. Brandon saying this wrong. Okay. <laughs> Feel free to call say me it out. Wrong. I no. still don't know what it means. <laughs> right, I think it's like a, uh, a story. It's not, it's not fodder. It's, not, it's like, it's not I'm not, I'm telling deal. you the truth. Like, yeah. So, Feel free to cross-check me. My wife accuses me of using <laughs> words that aren't true all the time. I will I will warn you, I am normally right. Okay. Okay. So, that's, well, I said normally. Uh, perception's reality, right? <laughs> right? So when I think of praising him through the storm, initially I think of like bad things that happen in our life, but I think we have to understand that our everyday life is a storm. We live on an earth that is full of sin, and that's that is what it is. It's not going to change. And so every day that our feet hit the floor, we are walking into a storm. So we have to we have to be aware that we're walking into a storm today. Um devil's gonna throw stuff at me. If we're trying to follow God, the devil's gonna throw stuff at me. And the closer that we get to God, the more the devil's gonna try to throw stuff it's- at us. That whole armor of God thing, I mean, when we 
like Chris Gordy, our guest uh, last week, he has a, a routine that he tries to stick to, and he's essentially putting on his armor of God every that's right every every second of the day because he knows he's going into a storm, and the only way we can handle a storm is to have the proper equipment on, and that's you know the armor of God from from our Lord through reading the Bible through uh, researching through uh, our prayer time those things, and it's not, you know, when we, when we just keep it real simple, anything you want to be good at, you got to practice. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think, I think that the, what I take, you know, what I'm taking from, from the topic here is the people that we know that have gone through the toughest times of what we can possibly experience in our human lives and seem to get through it unwavering seem to to almost walk through it like they're just walking through the park mm-hmm. they all the ones that we know that have that have um had that that this is a walk in the park mindset have had a relationship with the lord like like we desire to have mm-hmm. so you know what 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 i'm taking from this is if you want to be if you desire to have that walk in the park no matter what the adverse situation is mentality build your relationship with the lord seek the lord daily the the closer you get to him the more walks in the park you're going to have through life yeah the the story i told about my father-in-law my wife would tell you before that point in her life, her absolute biggest fear was losing her daddy. Mm-hmm. And it happened. And that one instance in her life, if you like, probably look at her, at her Christian growth, her walk with the Lord, the most growth happened. Now, she continues to grow, but the, the most and the quickest growth happened because her number one fear came true, and she had to realize that I got to I got to put my faith in my heavenly father and not my my father on this earth that has been with me for 20 something years so far. Yeah, I think it's a great reminder uh, we can kind of tidy up, but it's a great reminder that growth occurs in very uncomfortable moments and the closer we are trying to be reminded that we serve an awesome and mighty God that we can always lean into good, bad, and different, the greater chance to grow for his kingdom. Uh, because the other type of growth, it may feel good for a minute. It may get you a pat on the back. It may make you bow your chest out for a little while, but it is not. It's temporary. There you go. Amen. Temporary. So, um, Everybody good? Good Everybody stuff. Good? Got anything else to add? Okay. Looks like we're wrapping up. Bible verse for today is Acts 1625, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. In the times of trouble, praise him. In your storms, praise him. When those things happen to you today that you can't control, that are outside of your control, remember to be aware of what's going on, and if the devil's attacking you or whatever's going on, remember to praise him praise him. Show your love for Christ as a testimony to others by your actions and how you react to to situations in your life. 
We appreciate you guys joining us today. Uh, if you would, do us a huge favor in whatever platform you're listening on, leave us a review. And we again, we appreciate you being here. Go out and kick the day in the face, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you.